I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Never seen the sky so blue Birds are singing, I got nothing to do. Hey, 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 hey. It's a sunny day. Sunny day now. My pocket's empty, my cupboard's bare. But call me illogical, I just don't care. Hey, 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 hey. It's just a sunny day. KSL Greenhouse. Information and great talk about your home, garden, and your lawn. If you love perennials, can't get enough help on landscape design, or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest-free, grab a pen. It's the KSL Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Ton Bettis with you this morning. We'll be taking your calls at 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. And you can text us your questions at 57500. Well, it's that time of year. Most of us now, Ton, have pulled out all of the tomatoes, green or ripened from the garden, and all the all of the vegetables as well. So we wanted to talk uh, this morning for a few minutes about preserving those and what to do once you've actually harvested those vegetables. We talked a little bit about tomatoes last week, but tomatoes seem to be the prevalent thing that they people do. are concerned about, how to ripen those tomatoes, what to do once you've picked those green tomatoes. So let's talk a little bit about that. It's a good thing to do. And I'm not, we're not talking about putting the tomatoes into jars or freezing or freeze drying or anything like that. We're talking about just bringing them in. And, you know, we've had some hard frost now, but if you have protected your tomatoes, what you would do is just pull the tomato off the vine and put them in a box. And you put some pictures of this on our Facebook yeah, that you did with some of yours. And I lined it with newspaper and then I carefully placed the tomatoes so they weren't touching as much as I could in the yes. box. And then you would put another layer of newspaper and you can stack those three or four deep. So once you get them inside, store them around 55 degrees because they'll last for weeks to months. And you can just pull three or four out a week and put them in your kitchen and let them ripen at warmer temperatures. And you will have homegrown tomatoes that... Uh, you can use through sometimes January. I know that there's listeners out there that are extra grumpy that store them under weird places and have them all season long. Which is awesome. Yes. But uh, that's a great thing to do. With those I've long, noticed some of mine are already stuff. starting to ripen up. Yes. And they will do that. And 50 to 55 degrees is the ideal temperature 
to prevent them from ripening. Now, once you see one ripening in the box, you need to get it out because it starts, it's emitting or Uh-oh. what we call off-gassing ethylene. And that ethylene, it's almost like telling the other tomatoes there's a party oh. and they are all <laughs> going to ripen all at once. Oh, and so you funny. do need to watch that so okay. that they don't get ethylene. And the other thing you don't do is store the tomatoes near apples because that ethylene gas will cause apples to... Uh, ripen too fast and get mushy and mealy before you want to do that. So you need to have those separated. Okay. I know that like things like potatoes are pretty easy to store. They are. And so potatoes, you will dig them and just get the excess dirt off. You don't need to give them a bath or anything and just lay them out and let them sit for a week or two to harden that skin. And then after that skin's kind of developed and then it's hard enough, you store them at around 50 to 55 degrees or even a little colder, but not much mm-hmm. below 55. This, that threshold, they will last for a lot of the winter sweet potatoes. Not many people grow those, but 55 degrees is the key temperature for them. And then winter squash is another one we grow a lot of. And the trick to those is you let light frost kill the vines back. And then once the vines are have died back, you have to leave three to four inches of stem on the end of the squash. Really? Yes. Oh. If you don't, they can rot a lot faster. Okay. It would seem that would be just the opposite of that. Yeah. And that so stem even is maybe still yes. giving it some nutrition? No, it's just it's a wound that will allow oh, things okay. so you cut three or four inches up and even if it dried down, you just leave it alone. And if you store your winter squash at about 55 degrees, they will last for months and you can be eating them into January or February of next year. Okay. Are those pretty much the three main things that you can Those are the major ones. Um, Carrots, parsnips, you know, some of those root crops, you can store several ways. A lot of people store them in moistened sawdust or sand. And you can put them in a garage or just someplace that doesn't freeze. And they can be stored at temperatures just above freezing. Mm-hmm. And it's a pain to do. Some people don't, a lot of people don't like to, but you would store those in the stand and just pull them out as you need them. Now, a mistake we made several years ago is we had a lot of nice carrots and a lot that were kind of off. Just not flavored, but just the shapes and things. And we decided to use those first. Mm-hmm. We had so many that all of our beautiful carrots went to waste and got soft and things. And so start with your good carrots and work your way back, not the other way around. So the root crops can be also left in the ground and just covered with six inches of straw or another similar mulch. And you can go out and dig them as you need them. All right. One question about tomatoes. If you leave them on the vine, if you have like several on a vine, is that better I mean, because you'll see them in the store, right? Vine ripened tomatoes. That is tomatoes. the biggest gimmick. Okay. I, they, those vine ripened tomatoes. <laughs> you pay more for the vine. They picked them green <laughs> on the vine. And then if they were shipped in from Florida or Mexico, they're in a great big produce warehouse and they're exposed to ethylene and ripened artificially on the vine. They're trying to make you think <laughs> that somehow they let them get red on the plant. So it's not going to help to no. leave the vine on there. No, it's just a marketing gimmick. Now, there are local tomato growers. There's Howlings. I think they were recently bought out. But there's the big 40-acre indoor tomato facility down in Mona 
that those are allowed to truly ripen on the vine. They pick them when they're orange so that they have enough time to get them to the store. And so locally grown tomatoes are probably ripened on the plant on the vine. But if they're shipped in from Mexico or Florida, nah, they were just gassed in a warehouse and they just were left on the vine. Marketing. Yes. Okay. Uh, so anything else we need to know? Uh, those are the major ones. If people have questions, they can call in. But those would be the main things that we're storing, you know, for later use that we're not somehow processing. And uh, Carlos has put up an article on the Greenhouse yes. Facebook page. Okay, so you can check out that, Preserving the Harvest. We're coming back with your calls and your questions. Carolyn is up next on the phone line. Number for you to call, 801-575-8255. Or you can text your questions at 57500. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you this morning, taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can text us 57500. Our next listener, Tano, is actually asking about green tomatoes. They say that they put them on their window seal, but they heard that that's not a good idea. It's fine. Larry Sagers, who was the longtime host of the show, always recommended actually putting them at 70 or 75 degrees in a darker area. So I believe he would take his green tomatoes and put them in his pantry Mm -hmm. to where it was usually dark. And it seemed that they would ripen a little bit faster, but I haven't personally noticed as much of a difference. So if you want to put them in your pantry, if you want to put them on your windowsill, that's fine. Just just be aware that they'll ripen more quickly there than they will yeah. down in your basement. Yes. And because of the war burn temperatures, don't put them under your pillow, things like that. <laughs> but uh, uh, Next listener would like to know, they say they bought some fun pumpkins, odd ones. So how would they preserve the seeds to plant next year? They would just pull them out. Now, there's a really good chance, though, that they will not come back true to type because a lot of these specialty pumpkins, a farmer may only grow five to 10 rows in their pumpkin patch. And because the squash, which pumpkins are a kind of squash, are intercompatible between species and varieties, Mm -hmm. they will most likely get something that is intermediate between what the pumpkin looked like and something else. It would still be fun to grow them but they probably won't come back true to tie. Manage your expectations. Yes, and so just expect something different. Just collect those seeds, wash them, and then allow them to dry for a few days and then just put them in a paper bag or a Ziploc and store them, uh, you know, in 70 degrees is fine and they will grow the next year. The 
types of pumpkins that will come back true to type are usually the orange pumpkins because they're grown in such big fields that chances are they've been pollinated by the same variety or a similar variety mm-hmm. so that the orange pumpkins oftentimes will come back as an orange pumpkin. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, next person says they planted a Pacific Sunset maple back in September. Its leaves are still green. When should they be turning? And they'd also like to know when to prune a flowering crab apple. The leaves hopefully will turn soon. I have noticed many trees haven't started to turn that normally would. And when we get these long, warm falls, it's really common. And unfortunately, there's been some years I've seen that they've had snow on them and they still have had either green or red leaves, mm-hmm. you know, pears and things like that. And so with the colder temperatures and the rain and snow can, coming up next week, I am hopeful that it will really start to change then. Okay. Uh, next person wants to know how to best winter over artichokes. I, the plants themselves, they would be, you'd let them be killed back by frost and just dig them up and put them in a box with slightly moist potting soil around them or slightly moist wood shavings, Mm -hmm. store them at 55 degrees and then put them back out um, after danger of frost is gone next year. So sometime late April. But the other thing you can try doing, and it may or may not be successful, is building some sort of a box or getting like an old crate and taking the bottom out so that you have the sides built up six or eight inches and then filling that crate up with compost, preferably with some manure in there and then just leaving it in place. Oh, And what will happen is that compost breaks down. It doesn't allow the ground to freeze. They would take that off again next year sometime mid-April and then see if they would regrow. Okay. But artichokes do not tolerate cold temperatures. They're in the thistle family. And as far north as they are cold hardy is into San Francisco, San Fran, uh, San, not San Diego, but Sacramento, up into maybe, maybe Redding, California. And once you get farther north than that, they are not reliably cold hardy. All right. Carolyn is in Erda. Good morning, Carolyn. What is your question? Good morning. I live in Erda, and there's a lot of clay out here. What type of trees will do well uh, we've got cottonwoods that do well, the yellow uh, weeping willow does well, and the Chinese elm does well. But they're kind of junk trees, and I would like to put in something that would last longer in a house lot. Okay. There's some options. Oaks are sometimes a little better in those situations. So if you could find maybe like a burr oak, B-U-R, you know, just like the word burr, burr oak would be one. Uh, common hackberry would be another you could try, and that's H-A-C-K-B-E-R-R-Y. Then um, those elms that you hate are Siberian elms, not Chinese. But there are a whole group of elms that are really good trees that you could try. They're just called the hybrid elms, and they're a cross between several different species. And so those good elms, unfortunately, that Siberian elm has made a bad reputation for a lot of elm trees, and a lot of them are really good trees. So those would be some shade-sized trees 
you know, those large ones you could try out. Um, are you also looking for smaller trees or? Anything that would give some shade. And crab apples. Now, they're, the old-fashioned crab apples were super messy, but there's many modern crab apples through breeding that have fruit that's far fewer on the tree that stick to the tree or are fruitless. And so there's three or four varieties of fruitless crab apples or what are called persistent crab apples that you could look at where the fruit doesn't fall everywhere. Okay, how about some shrubs? I've got a couple of areas that were barren when we moved in here five years ago. And even the weeds and morning glory don't come up in them. What well, if, if morning glory well? and weeds don't come up in them, I'm not too hopeful that shrubs will. All right. You know, that's kind of the standard. And so I would really recommend testing that soil. And you can, Linden Green Hulch is your county agent in Twilla. And you could call your extension office, but you would want to submit some soil samples to our campus lab or to BYU to find out the pH and salinity and things. Because if the weeds don't even grow in it, you're not going to get shrubs to grow in it. All right. Thank you for your help. Carolyn, thanks so much for your call this morning. Uh, let's stay on the phone lines. We have Jerry, who is in Provo this morning. And good morning, Jerry. What is your question? Okay, my questions are... Um, is it possible I've got a cutting of a of a sweet potato vine, so I've got it in water and it's got some little roots that are growing. Is it possible that I can do something with that in winter, so can winter it and plant it next summer? Theoretically, yes, but you're going to be doing this as a challenge because they're sometimes not easy to get to over winter. So did this come in from an outdoor plant? Yes, it did, but it was in St. George. Okay, and so you're going to need to isolate that for a couple of months so that you can be sure that there's no spider mites or scale or aphids on it that would get into your other plants. It's not worth that risk. But what you would do is let those root forms and just plant that in potting soil in a container, you know, that has drainage holes on the bottom, and it should take. You just need to keep it in a very bright location so that you can move it outdoors it's later bright. on. Okay. So I don't want it down the basement winter. Absolutely. Want it. You want it with yes. as much sunlight as it can get. Okay. Okay. Then my other, thank you. My other question is I planted some eggplants and I did do a little matchmaking and finally got two blossoms to develop into little round balls about the size of a baseball. But now it's freezing, and I have to harvest them, and I don't think they're ready to harvest. So how do you know? You know, the eggplants are ones that if you can squeeze them and they have the texture you want, you know, as far as how firm they are, they're probably ripe. But all you could really try doing is pulling them off and see if they'll continue to ripen indoors. Eggplants are a plant that I just don't really – I've never enjoyed the texture or flavor of them, so I've never grown them. My parents yeah. did, and I just it's just one of those things. And so what I would do is get look up some of Utah State University's fact sheets on eggplant yeah. to see what to do. I'm not sure if they'll continue to ripen after you harvest them like a tomato will. All right, Jerry, thank you so much for your call. We need to take a break for the bottom of the hour news. Number to call. Phone lines are now open, 801-575-8255. You can text us, 57500. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. 
In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.